is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily, World on Pause. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. And I'm Mike Simpson. If you're going for a walk around the block, you're fully vaccinated. You can leave your mask at home. CDC says so. New guidance says fully vaccinated people don't have to wear masks outside anymore because the risk of them giving or getting the virus are extremely low. There are some exceptions. Masks still recommended if you go to a concert or someplace where there are lots of people. We'll get into even how some of those who are unvaccinated can go maskless in certain circumstances. We talk a lot about the vaccines, but what about the people actually injecting those vaccines into arms? What are they seeing? Well, we will tell you. They're seeing all of us take selfies of them giving us our shots. More people are seeing family again, thanks to the vaccinations. A good thing? Well, it depends on your family, we suppose. Let's start with masks, or rather no masks. Dr. Monica Gandhi is an infectious disease physician at UC San Francisco. Doctor, how do we know the people walking around without masks are really vaccinated? No, there's actually no way to know that because our, our foreheads don't like turn pink when we get vaccinated. So, you know, it actually, it's fine the way they messaged it in a way because unvaccinated people are also safe outside. This actually reflects two principles. It's not just that more and more of us are getting vaccinated. The risk of outdoor transmission was always much, much lower than inside. In fact, I think the best study on this is from Wuhan, China, where 7,324 infections and one was linked to outside transmission. So it's like 5,000 times less. So already, if there's unvaccinated people walking around outside without their masks on, that is just fine. In what situations when we're outside do you think they should be on? Is it like a farmer's market scenario when we're all crowded in on the street, or is that even okay? I know it, you know, sports games, you can go to the stadium, they're going to make you mask up because that's the policy there. Yeah, you know, I think that in crowded situations like what you just described, stadiums, farmers markets, say a rally, for example, that unvaccinated people should still mask because when outside transmission occurs, it occurs in this kind of close contact. The World Health Organization states this is way before vaccination, that unvaccinated people don't have to mask outdoors as long as they can three feet space from others. So I would, in those crowded situations, if you're unvaccinated, absolutely mask. But here's, I guess, where it gets a little murky for some people. Uh, So you're vaccinated and you go into a large, you know, crowded situation. CDC is still saying, right, to keep wearing a mask. But is that because we're worried about possibly transmitting to those among us not vaccinated, or do we still, if we're vaccinated, have something to worry about? No, you do not have anything to worry about as a vaccinated person going in that situation, even without a mask. So just to put it very cleanly, the best way to say this is that out of 87 million Americans vaccinated with cases still circulating, the CDC is tracking breakthrough infections, and they are so rare. And what I mean by that is I, I'm going to say a lot of zeros at this moment and and hear me because <laughs> there's so many zeros. Um, there are 5,000 symptomatic breakthroughs, which is 0.0005 or 0.005% among 87 million Americans vaccinated, despite cases still circulating in this country. It's very hard to get COVID after you've been vaccinated. And not just the CDC breakthrough data shows us this, but uh, data from healthcare workers, data from the Mayo Clinic that was just released yesterday among healthcare workers. It's hard to get COVID after you've been vaccinated. Dr. Monica Gandhi, infectious disease physician, University of California, San Francisco. Doctor, thank you as always. 
We've covered a lot of ground about the vaccines, but we've never really taken a deep dive into what it is like to be the person actually giving the shot, putting the needle into the arm. KYW's Matt Leon talks to four vaccinators from Inspira Health in New Jersey. Throughout COVID, we knew that I, I always knew that once vaccines were available, it was going to be for pharmacy center stage. This is exactly what uh, this is what we do. So we've been I have been living and eating, breathing and sleeping vaccine probably since July, August of last year. As we got more word and information as data was published, as pharmacies were the only places to receive it. We had the foresight. You know, we did put in a request to get the ultra cold freezer way back in August, September of last year, and our administration fully supported it, and we were able to order them before they were on back order. We were poised and positioned in order to be able to receive Pfizer, which was the leading candidate at the time to be a vaccine. So um, at that same time, I would say, well, in August, we had to complete what they call CDC provider agreements. It's basically a, a, an agreement between you and, and the CDC stating that you you would be utilizing the vaccine in accordance with the rules and regulations of the emergency use authorization. And, you know, you had to have a vaccine coordinator for each site, as well as um, a backup coordinator. So I'm the primary vaccine coordinator for Mullica Hill. And then subsequently, you know, uh, the single point of contact for vaccines between Inspira Health and uh, the Department of Health, New Jersey Department of Health. We store the vaccine. We are responsible for making sure uh, it is reconstituted, drawn up, labeled, administered appropriately, as well as reported appropriately. We have to submit all of our reports of everyone we have vaccinated within 24 hours of vaccinations. So it's it's a huge team that's involved in doing this. But yeah, pharmacy and uh, and the vaccine pods are you know front and center for this. Sarah, same question to you. How did you get? Does this fall under your umbrella, or is this something you pursued? I actually pursued it. I um, work in the cancer center and I don't work directly with patients. So actually last spring I was furloughed for um, quite a few weeks and I, you know, jumped at the opportunity to, you know, directly help, you know, with patient care, if you will. Um, So my manager had mentioned that there were needs for RN vaccinators in the pods. Um, So I was able to kind of flex my schedule to be able to do um, one day a week at least to vaccinate in the pods. Um, and it's been, you know, super rewarding for me. Raquel? Um, so because we work in employee health, we've been at the forefront of everything COVID since March and managing the employees, their illnesses, um, those types of things. And as the time started getting closer to a vaccine being approved, my leadership team, um, Ed's team uh, came together with different committees and we were just involved in the process with that. And then once we actually up and running started with the employees, um, we were able to go out, help vaccinate them first. And then when we opened up to the communities, um, our leadership team, uh, we were able to support our leadership team out there as well. And Tina, same question. Well, I echo what Raquel said, being the employee health manager of the network since March of 2020. Employee health has been managing um, the health and wellness of the employees, uh, the illnesses of the employees. And then once the vaccine got approved and we moved um, towards putting up our pods for the hospital system, uh, myself, along with Ed Dix, are the uh, operation leads for the Mullica Hill site. Uh, My director is um, operation lead for the Vineland site. Um, And uh, that's how we got involved with uh, the vaccine process. And I'll double up with you, Tina. What's the experience been like? 
the whole experience has been very rewarding. Um, you know, vaccinating family and friends, particularly my parents, um, you know, to be able to bring, it's brought an extra feeling of humility to be able to give them the gift of protection. So it's been very rewarding, humbling, um, and just an amazing experience to be a part of. How about for you, Raquel? To be able to be a part of such an epic time in history is amazing. Um, you know, we never really thought that we would live to see something like this. Um, the ability to be able to vaccinate my coworkers, my family members, members of the community has been an, a, such a rewarding experience. And the sheer volume of um, appreciation that we have gotten from the community members is, is very overwhelming and very humbling. Sarah? Yeah, like I said before, um, I don't typically work directly with patients. So during this global pandemic, it's hard to sit back as a nurse and just not be able to do much. So the opportunity has been personally so rewarding to be able to give back to the community and help. Um, and, and like Raquel said, the gratitude that we receive from the community members has just been amazing. And Ed? I would echo everyone's sentiments. It's It's been an interesting and a long year. Uh, for many people, it, everything changed. But for us who work in a hospital health system, we went to work every single day. Um, we lived with this. I mean, we, this is what we've seen in the last year. We haven't, we haven't ever seen in our lifetimes, to my knowledge, um, you know, to live through, you know, having uh, a new virus identified and coming through with a vaccine within, within 11 months. I never thought that that would happen anytime soon. Uh, and then the emergency use authorizations, um, it's it's been when you put your mind to it and you put everyone's efforts on the on a on a um, on the same global initiative. It's amazing what we can do, and I I will say it's very nice that we can we're kind of a vector to be able to help us start getting back on the regular path, so that that we can provide these vaccines, that we can give people protection. I mean, it's emotional for a lot of people when they get vaccinated. It's it's especially when they get that second one, they feel like, you know, it, they're on their way out of the cellar and they're getting back to uh, more normalcy. So it's I, I enjoy seeing the uh, the pleasure that the people um, receive after they've been vaccinated and that we've been able to provide our services and, and help people that we would have never normally met and introduce them to our um, to our health healthcare team. Everybody mentioned, you know, the emotions people say. Are there any specific stories, any specific moments that really jump out from a person's reaction, maybe something they said, or just the, the look on their face? Uh, and, Ed, I'll start with you on this. Yeah, there are dozens of stories. Uh, I mean, I will tell you some – when we first started doing the hospital pod for uh, our own employees – and vaccinating, um, I'll probably say it's the first person that we vaccinated. I, you know, I was, well, besides myself, we, our pulmon, our critical care pulmonologists have been, you know, incredible here at Mullica Hill. They have been the, on the front lines treating COVID every single day, um, leaders in, you know, the treatments and, you know, remdesivir and, and spearheading everything. And when we first got the vaccine, the first people that you vaccinate are the vaccinators. And also, you know, we, we, we identified the highest risk group because we had to triage it. So they were at the top of our list. And when I vaccinated Dr. Breen, the head of the practice, uh, I mean, he honestly was, it, it was game changing for him. He felt like he had some type of, 
you know, shield with him now that when he's going to see the patients. And when we did that for the rest of the employees over the next month, month and a half, it was many people came to tears. I'm not going to lie. That's that's some people was very emotional for. Um, And then once we were able to pivot that to the public and seeing individual, you know, providing it, you know, my mother's uh, uh, over 65 years of age. So when I got her vaccinated, it was in my, in my, in my in-laws as well. It was, you know, it, it, it gives you great pride that we're able to, you know, to do this. Um, there's some specific stories. I'll let Tina talk about one that were, uh, so I don't steal her thunder, but we have a really good story that, that, that she can share. Yeah, that sounds like a great transition, right to Tina. <laughs> I said, uh, well, I'll echo Ed's sentiments. There are a lot of stories that have come out of um, the pods, both in Vineland and Mullica Hill. One of the ones that I'll share that came out of Mullica Hill and that did hit the um, the news outlets was the Langley sisters. Um, there are four of them that came to the pod to be vaccinated. And one of the security officers had alerted to me, oh, you know, there's four sisters um, all in their 80s, 90s that are in the in the tent, you should go talk to them. And going in and talking with them, they're finding out that their niece had been reaching out to um, even some politicians to try to get them vaccinated at one site. And here they were able to all get scheduled at the same time at our site. Um, I, I pulled together, you know, our PR team and said, you know, we have a really amazing story here um, of four sisters who are all in their 80s and 90s. They haven't seen each other in a year. They used to see each other every Sunday and get together. Um, so we just pulled that storyline together for them. Um, and when they came back for their second doses, we invited some of the news outlets into um you know, get that story and get it out there that, you know, how amazing it is that those sisters that are in their 80s and 90s have lived through some hard times in their past. And, you know, here they are in in this pandemic. And uh, they were definitely looking forward to being able to share their time together again. And that was just an amazing story. There were definitely some tears. Raquel, any, any moments really stick out for you? Um, uh, the beginning of the month or end of last month, we did, um, vaccinations on a Sunday for over 75, um, crowd. And there were some other folks that were a little bit younger. Um, and there was a young lady that brought her mother and her father. And I believe her mother was only 63, but she had a lot of medical conditions. So she met criteria. Um, and somehow the father's appointment didn't go through the system. There were some glitches. He didn't get an appointment. And originally they weren't going to vaccinate him. She came and she talked to me. Um, she came from New York to get her parents in North Jersey to bring them down here for this appointment because it was the only appointment she could get. He is the caregiver for the mom who has early onset dementia and Alzheimer's. And she was just very emotional that, you know, she felt that there wasn't much time that her mom was going to, she was going to really be her mom. And we were able to give him his vaccine. And she was so grateful. She said, tonight, I'm going to be able to sleep Three weeks later, when they came back, they came on their own. She did not come with them. However, he came up to me and he hugged me and he thanked me again for being able to get them vaccinated and how grateful his daughter was. And uh, right before she had left on their first visit, she did say to me that, you know, she feels now that she can visit her safely. And he told me that she was actually getting her vaccine the same day in New York um, with one of their um, pods up there. So it was just really nice to be able to give that back to her and um, allow her to be able to spend whatever time she could with her mom while she still remembered who she was. 
Sarah? Yeah, so um, the most memorable experience for me was actually my first shift that I um, did back in February in, at the Vineland Pod. Um, I was probably an hour into my shift, and um, a World War II uh, survivor came over. His son uh, brought him over in his wheelchair, and he had a World War II um, hat on. And he said to me, he's like, you're about to vaccinate a 100-year-old. And I kind of like took a breath, and I thought, for one, personally, I've never met anybody that's 100 years old. And um, he was just so excited. So we started to talk about his um, service and how he flew over the Himalayan mountains during his service. Um, so it was super cool and vaccinated him and was hoping that I eventually, you know, hopefully it would line up to where I could see him again. So I went home and my kids were at my, I have two sons that are six and eight and they were so excited to hear about like how my shift went. And my oldest loves anything military. And so he said, mommy, can you please, can you please ask him if you see him again, two questions for me. And he said, can you ask him what kind of a plane he flew during the war? And then he says, can you ask him if you fought the bad guys? And so the next three weeks, every single shift I completed, my, my kid would say, did you see him yet? Did you see him yet? So thankfully I was able to, um, to line up the time to be able to give, you know, give um, the veteran his second shot. And I was able to ask him those questions. The local news was there. It was just like, it's such a rewarding, amazing experience. And then to be able to go home that night, like my kids stayed up past nine o'clock just to wait and hear about, you know, the answer to their questions. So it was just really, really cool for me. Coming up after this short break, the vaccines are making it easier to see your family again. But is that a good or bad thing? If you're like your family, you've probably missed them throughout the pandemic if you made it a point to stay apart. But vaccines are now changing that. They're also eliminating the pandemic as an excuse to skip a family gathering if you don't like your relatives. Either way, reunions are coming back. WBBM's Cisco Cotto talks to Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of TravelingMom.com, about family get-togethers and if there's a way to do it safely. Well, I think that depends on your family. Uh, you, you, I mean, you know yourself, right? If right. who's vaccinated, who's medically vulnerable, all those things still matter. But if you feel like everybody's physically ready and you've gotten vaccinated, then I think we can start talking about it again because none of us have seen family for, what, 14 months now, going on 15? Well, and that's what people have to weigh, right? Okay, so it's been a long time. Some of these family members are older, and if you want to spend time with them, the idea of waiting for next summer, it just may not work. Well, it's so true. And, uh, you know, the the, the upside of, of planning a family reunion this year is scheduling is so much easier. You know, usually just trying to get everybody together, the hard part is to work around all the things that everybody's doing. And these days, we're not doing that much. So people's schedules are a lot more open, so you can probably find a time when you can do it. Still, you know, choosing outdoor destinations when you can be outside more than inside is really smart. You know, I mean, we're so we're planning to my my family, my side of the family, we're going to take an Amtrak train ride to Colorado and be together for five days. But everybody's vaccinated and, you know, we're in, and we've been in pods and things like that. So we feel OK about that. My husband's side of the family, we're going to rent a big house and his 95 year old mother is going to come. But we'll do a lot of stuff outside and, um, you know, and we know what we feel like it'll be safe. We're not going to invite people that shouldn't be there. Well, yeah, keep it to only the people who really have to be there. And uh, I guess distancing in some capacity, either with vaccines, probably part of the equation. 
Oh, yeah. Everybody, oh, yeah. You have to be vaccinated or you don't get to come. That's the rule. Yeah, because otherwise, yeah, you're taking on that risk and you, you can end up yeah. infecting a whole bunch of people. Uh, so how do you deal with the best destination to do something like this? Well, you know, again, it depends on your family. I used to recommend things like cruise ships and all-inclusive resorts for family reunions because everybody gets their own room, which is always nice. And you, there's plenty of things to do and you just come together for dinner at the end of the day. You know, cruises aren't cruising right now and all-inclusive resorts, you're going to be with a lot of other people. So I think this is the kind of year where you keep it a little smaller, you keep it a little closer to home. If if everybody's coming from the Chicago area, maybe you go rent a big house in, in Wisconsin or, or southwest Michigan where you can be outside and do things on the lake. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, getting outside is really important. And uh, so that probably means, I mean, you're not inside all watching sports games or something around a TV. You got to get out. Well, yeah, you know, again, it depends on your family. Some families are going to be really happy sitting around the TV watching the the baseball game on TV, but other families really want to be outside playing baseball. And I think that's really the answer is to figure out a way that you can sort of have a lot of different activities so that there's something that keeps everybody happy. The teenagers aren't sitting around grousing because, you know, they couldn't do whatever they wanted to do. Um, And then you just all plan to come together at the end of the day and have dinner together and share your day. So there is time together, but there's also time apart if you need that. Uh, One of the things that we've been talking about in my family as well, I mentioned, you know, older family members. A lot of people have lost loved ones over the past year. Uh, Is there a way to make this reunion also, I I don't know, some sort of a a time to honor someone that maybe you loved and didn't get to spend time with? I think that's a lovely thing. I, I think absolutely. I think there'll be a lot of families that are doing that. It's very sad to think about that grandma or grandpa can't be with you or, you know, the aunt that everybody loved. But it's the reality of what we've been through. So planning the family reunion as a way to honor that person, I think, is a lovely gesture. And, you know, it doesn't even need to be a a sort of really big memorial service. It can just be, you know, um, an evening where you talk about her and you share the stories. I think that's a very nice idea. Thanks so much, Cindy Richards. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are now getting involved with vaccines. They'll serve as campaign chairs of Global Citizens' effort to deliver COVID-19 vaccines to medical workers in the world's poorest countries. They'll appear at Vax Live, that's the concert to reunite the world, to be taped Sunday at SoFi Stadium in the L.A. area. Global Citizens CEO Hugh Evans telling the Associated Press that 60 countries still have not received any COVID-19 vaccines as of April. President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris will appear during the broadcast as part of the We Can Do This initiative to increase confidence in COVID-19 vaccines. The concert will be hosted by Selena Gomez and headlined by Jennifer Lopez. This is an Odyssey original. You can find us on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. 